Good morning, church. How are you? You know, it's wonderful to hear all these testimonies. Make me want to say, the Lord is here. Oh, some of you, the Anglican meter quite high. Eh? <laughs> uh, but indeed, the Lord is here. Uh, I want to just share a fresh testimony before I preach the word. Is that okay? Because just yesterday in our service, we had a midweek service. And Pastor Cynthia came out and gave a very specific word. And she said that there is someone who feels numbness in her body, some nerve problem. And for many people who do not know, my wife was actually going through that. And the doctors could not find anything wrong. And we have been going to the doctors uh, almost monthly. And we still couldn't find out what was wrong. And so I text my wife and I said, you better come down from the top because she's sitting on top. And she came down and uh, our brother Robert was praying for her. And at night, when we were having our prayer time together, she said, dear, my numbness disappeared already. Come on, let's give glory to God. Now, God is doing something amazing in our church. And I want you to testify if you have a healing you have a testimony to share with us because we want to get excited about what God is doing in your life and in many other people's life. You know, last week, I was together with 100 men in Batam. And we were doing a kind of children's program for some of the children that comes from the slum village. And uh, we have prepared many things. In fact, uh, we have prepared all this uh, food. And for these 200 children... This is the first time we have brought them to a hotel. How do I know? Because they were afraid to even step up the escalator. And then they will go to the toilet and play in the toilet. So that's how you know they have never seen this. And it was wonderful to see all this thing happening because we care. Church of Our Savior care for all these children. And what was amazing is that we can prepare all these games. Huh? But what we didn't prepare was our energy and our stamina. Because halfway through, you realize it's quite difficult. And God is indeed using us as a church. You know, uh, yesterday, our senior pastor sent us, uh, our church, uh, our church staff, a graph. Uh, you know, he's into all this graph. Uh, he plot the graph, I show the graph. Uh, that's the difference. So, this is our church attendance in 2023. Can you see how the attendance are kind of steadily growing? And I can see that God is drawing either people back from online or He's drawing people into the church and we have a steady growth in all ministry. Just this afternoon, we're going to have another baptism from the Filipino ministry. Because some of you only attend certain service, right? You do not know that the Chinese ministry, we are growing also. The Filipino ministry, they are growing also. And this cannot happen because, oh, the staff work very hard. Yes, we work very hard. This can only happen because you and I are part of this. We are involved in this. So can you turn to your neighbor and say, thank you for being involved. You're not very convincing. Can you say it louder and with a smile? Thank you so much for being involved. And so while the church is very, you know, encouraging, we do not want to stop there. We want to continue to prepare for a great harvest. Amen? So preparation is important. And those who are studying for exam will know that preparation is important. My daughter just finished O-Levels. I want to congratulate all the parents who finished O-Levels. <laughs> Especially my wife. <laughs> How do you prepare for exam? You study hard, right? Because if you don't study hard, you know, you will be like this boy whose attitude in exam is this. They give me questions I don't know. I give them answers they don't know. 
when uh, Caleb finished the PSLE, I saw him at home playing his, you know, phone, and I said, so how do you feel after your PSLE, your first major exam? And he turned to me and said, Daddy, this is the best time of my life. <laughs> you know, we can prepare for many things. We can prepare games for the children. We can prepare a lot of stuff. But there are some situations in life where we can never really be very well prepared. For example, war. We are living in a time and season where it is very different from any other period. We have uh, witnessed two wars ongoing right now. The conflict between Israel and the terrorist group Hamas is ongoing and has led to many, many deaths, thousands in death. And people in church, I want to encourage you not to get too involved in some of the debates, whether you're standing with this and that, because God's chosen people will always be God's chosen people. But we need to stand with the kingdom of God. It's not just the wars that are happening. We have earthquakes happening in Nepal, India, and before that was Afghanistan. And of course, we just finished the pandemic. We are living in a time and season whereby we know that you can prepare all you want, but the preparation of the heart is the most important. And in my pastoring, I realized there are two great myths that many Christians believe. Many Christians actually believe that they can be in control or they have a lot of time. But that's a myth because only God is in full control and is fully sovereign. Amen? Proverbs 16.3 says that commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Sometimes we live a life as though that we are in control of everything. You may not say it because your creed in church will be declaring his sovereignty, but your life may not be act out in that way. The world is changing tremendously, fast and furious, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it would be very foolish of us to think that we are in control. You know, in Matthew 24, when the disciples came to Jesus and asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of age? Jesus replied in verse 4 of chapter 24. Jesus answered them and said, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. And what we are witnessing, the Bible says clearly these are birth pains, and we are beginning to see that throughout the Throughout many history, we have seen this birth being getting more and more, closer and closer. And uh, for those pregnant people, you know, when the contraction comes more and more, you know what is going to happen. The end is truly near. And we must not live in such a way whereby we think that we are in full control. And there's one big event that's going to happen. There's one big event that we all know as Christians, and that big event is that Jesus Christ is coming back again. How are you preparing for his return? If you are wise, you will be preparing and not busy doing your own things. Just like someone who is preparing for the exam. And if you know the outcome already, you know that's the end point, it will be foolish to do otherwise. And the greatest foolishness of Christian will be to live a life as though Jesus is not coming back in your lifetime. 
If you are thinking that, yes, I know Jesus is coming back, but maybe not in this lifetime, not in my lifetime, I need to be busy with my own things, then be careful. Because if you know He's almighty and yet live a life as though He does not exist, that's called foolishness. So today, I want to encourage us to think about His coming. How do we prepare for His coming? And there was a parable that Jesus said in Matthew 25. And if you look, look through Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, there are many signs that Jesus was actually telling the disciples then and also the disciples now. Take a look at Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. There are many hints that God is giving to us. And so today we'll look at the parable of the ten virgins, reading from verse 1 to 13. Shall we read the word of God together, loud and clear? Go. Then... The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lambs and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lambs, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lambs. Verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let us pray. Father, help us, Lord, to be ready for your coming. Lord, help us to be prepared when you come, that, Lord, we will be doing your work, Lord, and be faithful until the end. In Jesus' name, amen. So the parable started telling us that there are ten virgins. In the Jewish culture, ten is a significant number. Ten men to hold a synagogue, ten to be present to confirm a circumcision, ten in a house to keep the Passover, ten present and a marriage contract, Boaz had ten witnesses, God to spare the city for ten righteous. Although I do not like to read into the meaning too much of these numbers, but ten indicates God's authority over mankind and his divine completion in him. And so, ten. But we also know that the Jewish wedding in those days is not just two hours, right? How many of you have been to wedding dinners that lasted more than three hours? Raise your hand. And even that, you complain, right? So in a Jewish culture, in those days, the wedding lasts for about seven days. And so there are distinct differences as we read this passage. In a wedding or a marriage preparation, there is this proposal, this mutual agreement between the couple, and there is the engagement, and then after that, there will be the marriage. And during this period, the bride would kind of prepare all this stuff, and the groom will prepare, and after the, the father have given the, the, the word, they will come and fetch the bride. And so the bride do not know when they will come. The bridesmaid do not know. So they will be preparing. So while they were waiting, 
they will be coming out with these lambs. And as the bridegroom was delayed, as the Bible says, they all became drowsy and slept because they didn't know when the groom will arrive. They do know that the groom is coming. And just like all of us as Christians, we do know that Jesus Christ is coming, but we do not know when. And while waiting, how many of them slept? All of them, the wise and the foolish. So it dawned on me that whether you are wise or foolish, you will fall asleep. <laughs> Yesterday I told the church, you know, it's okay to sleep in my sermon. My wife said, cannot, uh, cannot tell them to sleep. <laughs> but I think it is okay to remind ourselves that sometime in our serving, sometime in our waiting for the Lord's return, you will get tired and you will get drowsy. And that does not determine whether you are wise or foolish because all of them fell asleep. And so today, in preparing for the Lord's return, the wise, first of all, will be prepared for a long wait. Since you do not know, you might as well get ready. Amen? Since you do not know, do not pretend that He's not coming because that's not going to help you. When I was in the army, I was sent to the officer cadet course and uh, in the first uh, three months, it was quite tough. In fact, the first week, we, they call it the, the orientation week. And during the orientation week, the you know, the instructors have the liberty to come to our bunks and turn us out. Meaning to say, they will shout, turn out at the wee hours of the morning. And we have to put on everything and then go somewhere and do some funny stuff. And one of it in, involves us uh, jumping off two meters height. Uh, into the pool. Before we jump, we have to shout, to lead, to excel, and to overcome. And this part of training us to become officers. Now, during that time, many of us heard about all the horror stories, and if you are late, you'll be punished. So, some of us will be getting ready by putting on the full armor. <laughs> we will be dressed up, and we'll be sleeping in our boots. And when the instructors heard about all these rumors going on, turn out tonight, turn out tonight. You know what? They will not turn us out that night. <laughs> And after a while, people get tired, right? So some of them will start to take off their boots. Like, I say, wow, so smelly in my leg. <laughs> so they start to get a bit more relaxed. And that's the time when they turn out and they will be shocked. And sometimes I think Christians, while we are waiting for the Lord's return, and many people in your own lifetime, you have been serving the Lord maybe 30, 40 years, and say, Jesus is not coming back, I think, in my lifetime. Now, I, I think we should caution that thought. Whether it's your lifetime or not, we must be ready for the long wait because we are impatient people. How many of us love to wait? You like people who are late and you love to wait because you can do a lot of things, you know, listen to Taylor Swift. I know Kim will not be doing that. You know, <laughs> you, you won't like to wait, right? And, and so when they are waiting, the Bible says that the foolish took their lambs and they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil, meaning to say this gives us a hint that the wise virgin know that the oil may not be enough. Now to be fair to all of them, there's actually quite a lot of uh, space to keep the oil. It will last many nights actually. And so the foolish were not ready to wait for a long time. And so they did not take enough oil. And it is not about just Keeping the flask well, it is about the fire because the fire must not die out. So when the groom come, he knows that they are lighting the way. And friends, today as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, let us serve waiting actively. 
Let us serve anticipating that he's coming anytime soon. While we know that wars and rumors of wars are about birth pains, I think we need to remind ourselves that in 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10, it says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And by the day of the Lord will come like a thief. A thief will not announce his coming. A thief will not knock on the door and say, tomorrow at 2 p.m. I'm going to come and steal something in your house because you'll be ready. But they will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned out and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. What will you be doing when the Lord comes again? There was a story about a pastor who was actually visiting his members. So he went around visiting the members and in one of the household, he knocked for a long time. He knew that the member was inside. He could see the light in the living room, but nobody answered. And so he wrote a verse. He wrote Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So he slipped a note into the living room. And that weekend, the member came to church. But they didn't have time to talk. But he found a note from the member in the offering bag. And the member wrote back in Genesis 3. You know, Genesis 9 says, The Lord called to the man and said, Where are you, right? So in verse 10, it says this, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. <laughs> what will you be doing? You know, my Malaysian pastor told me once he visited another member and he heard mahjong sound. But when he knocked the door, all the mahjong sound disappeared and there was no trace of, you know, people playing mahjong. So the, the pastor said, I know you're playing mahjong. Lah. Then the member said, yeah, so sorry, pastor. I don't want to let you know. Then the pastor said, actually, it's okay to let me know. Just don't let Jesus know can already. Lah. <laughs> Maybe some of us are living in a life whereby we think that God is not really watching. What are you doing when the Lord comes? Watching Korean drama or serving the Lord faithfully? Prepare for the long wait. Number two, the wise is not just ready for the long wait, it's ready for quality checks. There are quality checks, there are systems in place, and I think it is important for us to evaluate our own serving attitude. You know, my daughter just finished the O-Levels and we are celebrating with her. And in one of the uh, period where she was taking the geography exam, she actually kind of gave up. <laughs> so she came to me and said, you know, I, Daddy, I want to spot question. <laughs> I don't know how many of you spot question. It means out of five, there's only two questions and she's going to study two questions. <laughs> and I said, what's going to happen if it doesn't come out? He said, then so be it. Lor. <laughs> when my eldest daughter heard it, uh, she screamed at her and said, you better study more. So for her, you know, thank God the question came out. <laughs> but I think there are some things you can aga-aga. That means you can spot question. Uh, you can, you know, test it out. But there are some things you can't really do that. For example, real situation require quality checks. How many of you, if you go to your surgeon uh, and you ask the surgeon, where are you going to operate me on? And then the surgeon say, well, uh, maybe somewhere here, you know, aga-aga <laughs> on the left, maybe beside your kidney. I, I'm not sure whether it's on top or below, but, you know, we, we'll open and, and see what, what's going to happen. And you'll be a bit worried, right? Because certain things require real quality checks for that 
operation to happen correctly. And many of you would have remembered on the 15th of March in 1986, there was a collapse of the Hotel New World. And it collapsed because of some failure in checks. I want you to look at a video, and uh, this video report will show us how crucial it is for us to do checks. Flight columns is being transferred to column 30. It starts cracking, this time in the basement car park. Four minutes before disaster. Above Christina, column 26 starts to collapse, causing debris to billow down and vibrations to spread throughout the bank. As three columns collapse, the building reaches the point of no return. An unstoppable chain reaction is set in motion. If you've got your pack of cards, and you, you, all you've got to do is one, knock one card out, and all the other cards follow suit. The entire building crashes to the ground in under 60 seconds, killing 33 people. Tragically, the investigators now know there were plenty of warnings that the hotel was about to collapse. And one of the biggest mistakes that happened in this collapse, within 60 seconds, 33 were killed. One of the biggest mistakes they made was that they got untrained men to draw up the calculation. And they miscalculated the maximum weight load, and while they were loading more in the rooftop, cracks started to happen. They could have investigated, they could have done some quality checks, but they didn't. Friends, you cannot bluff your way to heaven. As much as we, we are saved by grace through faith, we need to evaluate ourselves. Because the Bible says in Matthew 7.21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of the Father, of my Father who is in heaven, there will be a day of reckoning whether you know your stuff. Because in Matthew 25, he reminded us that when the groom came there at midnight and there was a shout that said, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins, all 10 of them rose up and the Bible says they trimmed their lambs. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of the oil. So I was thinking to myself, all of them, the wise and the foolish, they were rising up and they started to trim they are lambs. And we do know that if you have been waiting for a long time, your wig needs cutting. Once you cut the wig, the flame gets better and brighter. Now, I can understand when the wise virgin was doing that and even maybe polish their lambs because the original word talk about arranging, adorning, making it neat. But I cannot understand why the foolish virgins, while they were trimming the wick or cleaning the lambs, would look into their lamb and realize that there was not enough oil and will still be doing all those things. In my mind, I was thinking it's almost like my, my daughter, if she had gone to the exam paper and none of her spotted questions come out. And can you imagine if Charlotte would have, you know, since I got so much time, I decorate my exam paper, really nice. 
but I have no answer on my exam paper. You will still get zero. You will still fail. And we can do all this decoration. We can trim all you want. And if you concentrate only on trimming in your religious life and you don't have oil, you are not going to make it. And the foolish virgins have lamb but no oil. They have religion but no relationship, have form but no depth. There is an outward religious activity but no inward change in your Christian character. There is outward beauty but no real fire within. And friends, this is the message that God is reminding us that you need oil because the oil will keep the fire burning. And if you keep serving with no fire within you, if you keep serving and realize there's no more oil, fill your lamp with oil because your oil cannot be borrowed. My oil is only meant for my lamb. I cannot punch cut for your attendance in church. I cannot serve God on your behalf. I cannot lend you my oil. You got to be ready. And you must do that evaluation. And so quality checks. I cannot judge you. And I'm not here to condemn anyone. But I'm here to look at myself and say, Lord, I need oil. Lord, I need fire. Lord, I want to keep going because no matter when you are coming, I want to be ready. And so you are ready and prepared for the long wait and you are also prepared to do some quality checks on your life. What will you be doing when the Lord comes again? The wise is not just ready for tests, it's ready for the real situation when the groom comes. Number three, the wise is faithful and is able to enter the kingdom of God. The wise virgin were ready and they were the ones that were ushered into the wedding feast. And so many people think that they have a lot of time or many people are not ready to fill their oil. In Matthew 24, there's one chapter before this parable, Jesus continued to talk about this. He said, know this, that the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. If it is an hour we do expect, it will not be truthful of the Word of God. And so we must understand that at the end of the day, God is asking, where is the faithful and wise? Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Because God is looking not just for the wise manager, but also the faithful one, the servant who is ready when the master returns. Because there will come a point of time when the door will be shut. Because when the groom comes and you have no more oil, then it's too late. There are some things that you cannot wait for too long. There are some things that you have to urgently do it. It's just like the days of Noah when the ark was shut and the door was shut by God. No one could enter in and no one could come out. Because that is the day when the door is closed. And friends, there are people out there and maybe inside the church too that has never truly given their life to Jesus Christ to become a disciple of Jesus. You may be coming to church, but your heart 
is far away from God. You may be coming and watching online even this service, but your heart is straying far away from God. And the Lord is asking you, come in now. Because if you do not come in on time, the time may not have enough for you. Friends, it is urgent. The door can be shut anytime. And it is for us to also evaluate how will you be serving when the Lord comes? How will you be serving when the Lord comes? You know, recently my, my family actually adopted a stray cat. I'm, I always thought that I would have a dog, but turn out that it's a cat because, you know, I, I read a book called The Cat and Dog Theology. And this is the theology. Because cat and dogs behave very differently. How many of you have dogs at home? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you. What about cats? Cat lovers? Any, any cat lovers? Very few, huh? Very few cat lovers. Now, uh, I have this cat, right? <laughs> Cat's behavior are very different. Because dog is always excited. Cat, every time I try to talk to the cat, the cat will turn around and show me his butt. Lah. <laughs> so we recently named this stray cat Cyrus. <laughs> and I told my wife, because he's King Cyrus and we are all the servants. <laughs> so I thought to myself, in this book, it says that the dog will look at the owner and probably talk to himself about the owner. You fed me, you cleaned me, you provide a shelter for me. You must be my God. And then the cat, uh, on the other hand, will be thinking to himself about the owner. You fed me, you cleaned me, you provide a shelter for me. I must be your God. <laughs> and sometimes I think Christians serve as though, you know, <laughs> you may not say, but you are like a cat, lah. You know, I need this. I, we hear on many complaints, yeah, our church must be this. Must be. Maybe the time is coming for us to ask this question, how are you becoming a better servant of the Lord in this house? Are you coming here to rate the restaurant, restaurant rating or are you here to serve the people, to serve one another? In Luke 12, verse 35, it says this, Stay dressed for action. And keep your lamps burning. And I think we need to see a lot more action and not just empty talk. And I, I am very thankful that we have a, a staff team that is growing vibrant and care for one another. And the Bible says in verse 36, Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So this is a different analogy. And this is a servant waiting for the master to come home from the wedding feast. And in verse 37, he says, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them reclined at the table. He will come and serve the master. One day when you meet the Lord, God is not going to say, Good and faithful CEO. He will not come to you and say good and faithful teacher, good and faithful pastor. He will say good and faithful servants. And we need to know that in this house, we are all servants of the Lord while we are also children of God. You must be ready as you are serving the Lord to serve with all your heart, to remain faithful until the end. You know, a few weeks ago, we had Pastor Daniel Thiel was trying to preach a message Actually, he was quite sick. On Saturday, he was feeling sick, but yet he went up to pupit. By weekend, on Sunday, he couldn't make it, so we have a change of, uh, you know, preacher. But there was a conversation I had with him. He said that my, my wife was scolding me. How can you, you don't have any pastor to take over, man? He said, actually, there are. But I think it's his heart. Because 
In the conversation, his son Elijah was telling the wife, Aya, daddy, uh, papa will, will die preaching on the pulpit. <laughs> of course, you do not want him to die preaching on the pulpit. But I was so encouraged because the son could see the passion of the father. The son could see that the only thing that the father wanted to do, in spite of his sickness, in spite of his pain, was to finish what God has entrusted to him. And I want you to know that some doors will close unless you be faithful in sharing. There are some cracks in some marriages and you know of it, reach out to them, maybe in your own marriage, maybe in your own family. There are some people who are dying. Go and visit them before it's too late because if you don't visit them this week, next week you may be going to their funeral and it happens. Church is not meant for us to spectate. We are not here as spectators, but participants. Learn to serve with grace. Learn to serve with faithfulness. Learn to serve as the faithful and wise manager whom the Lord finds at his return. When he comes, he will say, you are faithful. And at the proper time, you give food to him. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. And I want to end off by sharing with you about my mentor who passed away many years ago. And this is Ong Bieng. She used to be a staff worker in Fellowship of Evangelical Students when I was serving as a staff worker, reaching out to students in the campus, uh, those who were ever been in Varsity Christian Fellowship, you know, Poly Christian Fellowship. I was one of those. And I became a staff worker. And this was my senior. This was my senior staff. And I, I always respect her because... She's this single lady who don't just talk, uh, talk the talk. Huh? She walked the talk. She went out to the field, went to Vietnam, become a tent maker, supported herself. And we were always rally around her and talk to her. We visited her in Vietnam. Uh, I, I, I think I can show the slides in Vietnam. A few of us. And these people that gathered around her, we used to be a mission supervisor. That means we, we run a mission course and we are mission supervisors. And when we went to Vietnam, she was talking to all of us one by one and scolding us because all of us are talking about mission and none of us are involved in mission full time. But after the meeting, you know, I could point out one in Japan, one went to North Korea, one uh, in Vietnam with five children, the other one just came back from Vietnam, another one serving as an elder in the church, another two serving as full-time workers in the church. And I'm a pastor in Church of Our Savior. And uh, we need people like that. In her last few uh, season, you know, before she returned back to the Lord, she died at the age of 50-something and she contracted cancer. And during her treatment, she was still volunteering to serve as consultant for missions. She was employed later on as a consultant in a big church to help mentor uh, people who are going out to the mission field. And I could see her struggling in her health and I asked her, why are you doing all this? She said that, you know, as long as I have one more breath, I will want people to know the needs out there in the mission field. So I became staff uh, with the Fellowship of Evangelical Students. I was writing my prayer letter. And one day when I was writing my prayer letter, I wanted her to edit it. And I, I saw this poem that to me spoke of her life. And it really encouraged me. And the poem goes like this. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. 
The eyes are better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. The best of all the preachers are the men who leave their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding in the way you act and how you live. When I see a deed of kindness, I'm eager to be kind. When a weaker brother stumbles and a strong man stays behind just to see if he can help him, then the wish grows strong in me to become as big and thoughtful as I know that friend to be. Then all the travelers can witness that the best of guides today is not the one who tells the way, but the one who shows the way. One good man teaches many Men believe what they behold. One kind, one deed of kindness notice is worth 40 that are told. One who stands with men of honor learns to hold his honor dear. For right living speaks a language which to everyone is clear. Though an able speaker charms him, charms me with his eloquence, I say, I rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I went to her and I said, you know, this sermon speaks so much of your life. And of course, I want her to edit it uh, because I think my prayer letter was well written. <laughs> she turned to me, uh, not impressed at all, and said, Chris, just go and leave it out. Uh. So I, I put the title on my prayer letter. I remember that, that prayer letter I sent out to others. Leave it. Leave it out. Don't just talk about it. Let people know. By your action, let the neighbors know that you are kind. Let the neighbors know that God is good through what you do. Because if one day when He comes and we are being found faithful until the end, then He will some say, come in my child, because you are faithful to the end. Faithful until the end. And what we offer to God must only be the best. Because He is worthy of all that we can give. He is worthy of it all. He is worthy for us to stay up late. He is worthy for us, even while we are in pain, to stretch out and to be the wounded healer for others because He was the wounded healer for you and I. And so when I think of that, I thought of Mary who knelt down before Jesus, who broke the most expensive thing that she owned because that was in preparation for Jesus to go to the cross to suffer for you and I. While at the cross, His blood bled so that His blood can cleanse you and me and to give us eternal life forever so that you may enter into the kingdom and be the wife's servant, wise virgin that dined with Him one day. Friends, if you have never given your life to God in such a manner, can I encourage you today to make a commitment to say, Lord, I'm going to serve you until the end, wherever you call me. I'm not going to argue so much about all these arguments, all this philosophy. And I tell you, one day, you'll be tired even to argue about theology because I think applied theology is actually more important. Love God and love others. I'm going to end off by teaching you a Chinese song. 
So I apologize first of all for those who don't understand Chinese, but we have translated into English and hopefully it's singable to you. I'm going to invite Hannah from the Chinese ministry to sing this song. This is about how Mary knelt down and washed Jesus' feet. And the songwriter kind of talked about how she too want to be like Mary. And the chorus says, Until the end when I close my eyes, your promise I await faithful to the end. Until that day when I finally receive the crown of glory. I will always be serving you faithful to the end. to learn this Chinese song together. Faithful to the end, 
sing this song, I sense that the Lord is also convicting many about your serving. Some of you have been serving for a long time. And you've been faithful. But you are tired. And a picture came to my mind of the starving baker. The baker who had been serving bread to everyone except himself. And you are starving. And you're wondering why in all your serving that you are not being fed. And the Lord is reminding you that as you spend time with Him, go into that quiet closet. He will meet you there. And some of you need to hear that. Whatever you have plowed, whatever you have sowed and invested, it's not in vain. God loves you. Every little thing He knows. He knows my wife's need. And I come up here today trying to hold back tears because God knows while I'm serving, he's taking care of my family. God knows. While you're serving, the fights that's happening at home, the struggles you're facing. But be faithful. Because he loves you. He loves us. And let us love him with all our hearts. And may we be found faithful until the end. Shall we pray together? Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit right now to renew the hearts of everyone here. I can see many are talking to you even right now. They long for your return. And I pray you will sustain them until they meet you face to face. Until we meet you face to face, Lord. Until you put the crown of glory on our head and say, good and faithful servant, may we always remain faithful and have oil in our lamps. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. The service is over.